Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. We have become accustomed to living in constant fear, paralyzed by the ever-growing list of things that make us afraid. This is no way to live. Thankfully, this state of fearful worry can be escaped. God's Word is full of commands to release fear. We can't elude the things that have the potential to create fear, but they do not have to lead to our ruin. Through faith, we can face all things, knowing God's promises are true and His power is sufficient. In Christ, we can live fearless. Well, y'all did it again. Filled up the liquor store parking lot yet another Sunday. I think it's awesome when Christians fill up the liquor store parking lot and they ain't open. Some of y'all's cars were there on Friday. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We take pictures. No, we don't do that. Oh, well, welcome to, uh, I think, part six of a series that started out as fearless but has come, become courageous because there's some people in the room that are building courage. Come on, somebody. This by far is the longest series that we, I think, maybe have ever done. If not at least tied, and, and we're not done. We're going to take this series at least through the end of March as we head into Easter. Because I don't know about y'all, but I need a lot of courage. Say amen if you need some courage. Say amen if life's throwing some scary things at you and you need some courage to deal with it. Y'all, the entire church was honest for the first time in a really long time. Uh, it's, it's weird, man, but this series has just been, it's teaching me a lot. And I think a lot of it has to do with the season that I am in. And, 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 and maybe I'm about to tell you something that's new to you or something that you've just kind of called rumors of. But over the last couple years, man, God has done something really cool in this place. Uh, I mean, God has been growing our church and, and just really cool things have been happening. And we've just been praying like, God, what? What do you want for us next? Like, what, what do you want to do in and through our church? Because I think that God wants to do more through our church. And we never really came here to build a big church. We came here to expand the kingdom. So as awesome as this is, like, this is just a byproduct of the heart of our church. We didn't come here to build a big church. I never had this numerical goal in mind of what this church would be or size anything. I thought, we just going to come. We're going to reach as many people for Jesus until we die, and then that's it. And a couple, back in the fall and, and even later, like, I was praying about, all right, what's next, God? Like, what do you want, what, what do you want to do in and through our church next? And, like, a lot of churches that are, are maybe somewhat similar to us, like, they do this thing called um, satellite campuses. And I don't know how much of the church world most of y'all are, are into, but, like, people make these satellite campuses. In other words, they, they, they have the kind of same church in another location with, like, people coming to it and live music and kids' ministry. And then there's a pastor that's, that's piped in via video into that location. And for the for, for longest time, I just didn't feel like that's what God was calling us to do. And that's nothing to, to say anything negative about those models or anything like that. But, but that's just not what I felt like God was calling us to do because <laughs> me in one room is enough. Um, so we just started praying. And, and this is what began to just settle on my heart. I began to have just a burden and a brokenness for churches like the ones I grew up in. Because I didn't grow up in a church like this. Oh, y'all did. 
And I'm not talking about like just the style of music and, and the shouting and the dancing and, 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 and the fun stuff. Like I'm talking about the fruitfulness that we've seen. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming to Jesus and being baptized. And tonight we're going to baptize some more people and we're going to celebrate life change once again. But, not just, but like watching people step from death to life. Watching people struggle with addiction and be set free. Watching marriages come in here hanging on by a thread and God restore them. Like, like whoo. Like, and I don't know about you, but like there's so many churches that just don't get to experience what we experience. And again, like I'm not saying like what we experience in this room. I'm talking about the fruitfulness of the gospel. Y'all with me? The life change that's being seen. And, and, and I look around, and there's so many churches still like that. And I don't think if a church is dead, I don't think it's that way because God intended it to be. Come on. Like, I don't care. I don't care what name is on the sign. Like, churches that, that aren't seeing what we're seeing, it's not because God doesn't want to do it there. Like, God's the church and is still the God-ordained, Jesus-appointed vehicle to take his message to the world. And I know we've let a lot of things get in the way of that over the years. <laughs> but so God just started kind of birthing something in my heart. Like, what if we could be a part of, like, some church revitalization? Like, what if God could use our church to go into some of these other churches that maybe are struggling and, 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 and just need some help? Not because we know it all by any stretch of the imagination, but, but there's some things that I think God has taught us and some DNA of who we are that I think we, we, we don't need to hoard, we need to share. That we need to pass on to other people, not for our benefit, but for the benefit of the kingdom. Not so that we can add to more attendance for this church. For this church. It's okay if there's people in heaven that never give up down to this church. Like, I'm okay with that. I'm about, whew, I'm fired up now. I'm not. <laughs> so anyway, but that's hard to do because unfortunately a lot of churches, somehow we, we think we're competition, which is the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> that if you are a Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching, gospel-centered church, we're with you. I don't care what your name on your sign is. We are with you. So I just started praying, God, if you, wanted, if you would use us, if there would be a church out there that, that realizes that things are broken and it's unhealthy and we could come alongside and maybe just breathe some life into it, God, just said, would, you, would you open that door? Be, be careful what you pray for. Because back in the fall, um, there's a church in High Point, High Point First Wesleyan Church, that has gotten into a little bit rougher season right now. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's been an amazing church with a rich history for the kingdom of God, done some amazing things to shape the spiritual landscape of, of the, of the Cow Point community for years. I remember growing up and watching God use that church and it grew to this vibrant place and, and God was doing so many things through it. And at one point, like, like they had to move and expand and they bought a mall. Oh, that doesn't, y'all look at me like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, a mall. 100,000 square foot facility with a 1,500 seat auditorium and kids ministry spaces that we would love to have, but we don't. <laughs> and just along the way, some things begin to happen and, 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 and churches, churches never get in that space because they want to be there. 
Come on. It's never, it's, it's rarely intentional. But things just happen. And, and now this, this once really vibrant church is just struggling. And what once was a very strong, vibrant church that filled that building is down to a couple hundred people. And then a, a debt that they can't manage and just struggling to find a way forward. And so I get a phone call. It says, Matt, that, that thing that you've been burning on your heart to, to revitalize another church, we would love for you to do it at High Point First Wesleyan. And I said, ain't no way. There's just a lot about it that, because we thought it would be by invitation and, and not everybody was kind of on board with it. And there was some, there was some a little bit of resistance and, and, and anyway, but I, like I learned a long time ago, when God wants something to happen, he don't leave you alone. Can somebody testify? <laughs> Seven people. I'm glad y'all with me. It's awesome. Um, so God opened the door. And so we have began a relationship, a, a strategic partnership with them just to, just to try to invest in them and, and help walk them back towards a healthy place. And that's our goal. And, and maybe you've heard this and maybe you hadn't, but I want you, the whole church just to kind of hear it from, from my mouth that, yeah, we are in, in a strategic partnership with another body of Christ and God is using our church and our leaders to help lead some necessary change in their culture to get it healthy so that it can step in the most vibrant days of its history because in Jesus, our best things are always ahead, not behind. And I used to hear this saying, if you're, if you're not dead, God's not done. But even if you're dead, that doesn't mean God's not done. Our, our God specializes in resurrecting dead things. Come on, somebody. That's what he does. So even if a church is dead, it don't have to stay that way. And so we're working through them, and we're meeting with their, their staff and developing some new leaders. And I know there's a lot of people that are wondering, like, are we, we going to... Are we trying to replicate vintage over there? First of all, there's only one vintage church. Y'all always about to thank God. I don't say that like out of arrogance. Just, there's, just, there's just only one here. You know what I mean? There's only one group of leaders that are unique and special about this place. And, and you know, so our goal is not replication because the gospel has always been about multiplication, not replication. And so we're trying to multiply leaders and raise up new leaders and release new leaders over there. And it's going to kind of feel somewhat like a satellite campus in, for a season because our involvement will be heavy in the beginning and less and less over time. And so there's going to be, you're going to see cameras in this room at some point soon because we're going to use some video teaching for a season. Um, but it's just a, a, a means to an end. And I know there's people like, oh, we're going to have video cameras. Does that mean we're going to live stream our service? No, y'all got enough excuses not to come to church already. I love technology, but sometimes what God intended to be a supplement has become a substitute. That's a whole other sermon for another day. But I say that to say, number one, man, y'all pray for us because I'm scared to death. I'm afraid I'm just going to mess it up more. And that's why this whole thing, courageous, has been resonating with me. Because what, what God is... Who, who knows if you follow a God calling, it requires courage. Come on. Any God calling requires courage. If you don't need courage, it ain't from God. 
And that's why I can resonate because I identify so with Joshua who now he's, he's been handed this assignment that is so much bigger than him. He's having to fill the shoes of Moses, this legendary leader. And there's no wonder why God said, hey, bro, you're going to have to have courage to do this. As he steps into this role and he begins to move forward as the leader that God has called him to be, when he steps into this assignment from God as leading the people of Israel to where God wants them to be, again, let's look at it one more time, Joshua 1.9. God says to him, hey, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That when you pursue a God calling, it brings fearful things, right? It brings fearful things. And without this courage, this, this, this spirit undeterred by danger or pain, then you will never see it through to the end. You won't be able to fulfill all that God has for you if you walk in fear. And now our goal has not been to eliminate fear, but to elevate faith. Because when we walk in faith, fearful things are inevitable, but we're going to grow the kind of faith that courageously keeps pursuing what God has for our lives. So we've been leaning in to this story of Joshua just learning about the courageous things that we need to build in our lives in an attempt to grow our faith to the level that it swallows up the fear when it comes. And we've been systematically walking through this. And I'll be honest, I had planned to be further down the road. We were supposed to be in Nehemiah this week. We may get there in three weeks, or we, we may be still preaching courageous when Jesus blows the trumpet and takes us home. But today, I want to just share quickly some things that I learned from Joshua chapter 6 over the last few weeks. So go there with me. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Since Joshua has taken the baton of leadership, he's led them through the Jordan. He's gone through the really uncomfortable stuff of Joshua chapter 5. I'm not preaching that again. You can hear it on the podcast if you missed it last week. But now there stands before them another obstacle. <laughs> you ever feel like the moment you get through one thing, another thing all of a sudden is there and you just mad? Come on. <laughs> it's like, okay, I just, I just got through the Jordan. Now I got to face Jericho. I just got through this burden. Now I got another one. I just got this bill paid and I went to the mailbox and there is another one. <laughs> like it just seems, say me if you know there's always something. How many times say that we, always something. Always something. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now they stand. And their next, uh, their next task is to take a powerful city fortified by a wall. And now Joshua has the task to lead them through this. And here's how it unfolds. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. I know you know the story. You did the flannel graph in children's church when you was five years old. Three people laugh because three people grew up in church. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. <laughs> says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. So no one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. 
along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Good drop down to verse 10. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a word cry, do not raise your voice, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. And then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Verse 15, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Father, I pray that you would just use this word to teach us something we need. Take over my body, take over my mind, my mouth, my heart, that every word that comes from me is in alignment with what you desire for us to learn this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now there's a lot to try to lean into in those verses that I just read. And sometimes I read these verses and and y'all just, how I sermon prep, I just teach you what God's teaching me. I had a mentor tell me one time, Matt, you got to separate your personal devotions and your sermon preparation. And I've just never been able to do that. I just lean into the word and God teaches me things. And as he's teaching it to me, I teach it to y'all because I figure if I need to learn it, you do too. (laughs) I'm reading through this passage and there's so many places that I I wanted to kind of get stuck. I mean, I I read that verse and as it opens up, it looks like the Lord looks at Joshua and says, see, Joshua, I have given you the city. And if I'm Joshua, I'm saying, it sure don't look like it. You ever felt like God said something to you and at the time he said it, you just can't see it? Let me find somebody that can understand what I'm talking about. Have you ever had a moment when what you see and what God has said doesn't look like the same thing? There was two people over there. Let me. Have you ever had a moment when what you know God has said doesn't align with what you currently see? They clapped. I don't know. What I'm if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking, there's been times in my life when I feel like God has spoke something to me, and I'm just like, God, I, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. Now, I'm working on your behalf. I'm in this. God, it sure don't look like it. Matt, if you trust me, everything's going to be okay. It don't look like it. What do you do when what God has said doesn't align with what you see? Because isn't that when our faith gets derailed so often? We see all these promises in his word, and we see there's times when we know that God has said he's good, but everything in our life seems bad. We know that God said he is with us, 
but he is so silent it feels as if he's absent. Like there are tons of moments in our lives when, when, when see, the wall has come down, the city is yours and all the king's people in it. Hmm. I still see the wall. I don't see a king in shackles. What will you do when what God has said and what you see look different? Let me tell you what to do. Trust what he said. <laughs> I know that's, I know you can ask me how. Um, I can't answer that real good always. But I know when, when what he said doesn't look like what you see, trust what he has said. Because what he has said is more real than what you see. Sometimes life will lie to you. What you see, what you feel, if it's contrary to God's word, it ain't as real as you think it is. Somebody just needed that. You can take a nap to the end of the service because that's your word for the day. You're good to go. But then I started thinking, look, look at this ridiculous plan that, that God gives Joshua. Joshua, the city's yours, and here's how you're going to take it. Get up tomorrow, walk around the wall. Okay. See, we read these things in the Bible and just act like we would have been like, yes, God, okay, we'll do that. Like, that doesn't seem like the, the, the most strategic plan of attack. Is it to y'all? Oh, y'all super spiritual. Like, y'all, oh, God said it. I just, you know. Like, there, there's a moment you're like, Okay, okay, and, and then maybe we'd be like, okay, I'll do that for a day, but tomorrow <laughs> we're going to have a little bit better plan. You ever had to tell God about how good your plan is compared to his? <sighs> Walk around. I can just imagine how this must have went. Like Joshua goes to the guys, all right, guys, the city is ours. Oh, Joshua is smoking crack or something. I don't know what's happening right now. But he said the city is, I said God told him the city is ours, but the wall is still up. Like if, I've been in Joshua's shoes when, when like you know that like something, God's put something on your heart. See, when God's put, when God's put something in your heart, just be ready, prepared for the per first person you share it with not to see it too. That's a, that's a good thing too. What do you do when what God has said doesn't look like you see and when you share it, the other people don't see it either? That makes sense. And you don't really feel like you have the support that you need. God, the city is ours. Okay, Joshua, if you say so, I trust you, man. You are a leader. What's the plan? Tomorrow, we're going to get up, we're going to get ready, and we're going to walk around the wall. <laughs> then what? Then we're going to come home. <laughs> See, y'all laugh. <laughs> See, one of the things, sometimes the courageous thing that God's going to ask you to do is going to seem silly to other people. There are times that, like, you're going to need enough courage to do something that other people think is silly. There's people that think it's silly that you come to church almost every Sunday. They're going to think it's silly that you watch somebody else's baby so that people can come in here and worship. They're going to think it's 
silly that you stand out in the parking lot when it's 32 degrees and raining so that people can park in the liquor store and come to church. They're going to think it's silly that you stay true to your spouse even through that thing, but you know you're following God's will for your life. So sometimes we think we need the courage to do the strong, but sometimes you're going to have to have courage to do what seems like silly. Preacher showed up at 11 o'clock today. (laughs) And he says, no, all right, well, okay, okay, Joshua, what are we going to do the next day? We're going to get up and we're going to walk again. Same way? Same way. Okay. Coming back to camp yet? Coming back to the camp. About day three, you're going to get up, you're going to get dressed, and you're going to walk. See, sometimes the most courageous thing that you can do today is the same thing that God asked you to do yesterday, that consistency. I'm going to get up tomorrow, and I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to put God first. And you know what I'm going to do the next day? I'm going to get up, I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to pray, but You still had trouble today. Yep. Thank God I read my Bible. See, one of the most... And then this is another thing, too. Like, this don't seem like it takes a lot of courage. I thought we were supposed to be courageous. You was Mr. Courage, Joshua. All you're asking us to do is get up and walk. See, sometimes the most courageous thing you can do is the thing that nobody else sees as significant. The things that other people see as simple but to have the courage to do it. We're going to walk around the wall. We're going to walk around the wall. Then day seven pops up. Joshua, we walk around the wall again today? Yeah, but this time, seven times. Okay, something a little different. And then we're going to have all the priests blow these horns. And now all the little macho guys are like, yeah, then what? Then what? We're going we're gonna to all bum rush the wall and drop kick it down. We're going to have battering rams that we've made in camp, and we're going to knock the wall down. Like, that's how we're going to knock. The- no, when you hear the rams, yell real loud. Okay? See, y'all look at me like this. Like, can you imagine the, just the faith and the courage that it took to do something that seemed silly, that seemed insignificant, and that seems simple. And maybe like the key to seeing victory in your life is the silly yet significant and simple things. Come on, who's with me? The silly, yes. Like it may seem silly to get up 30 minutes extra early every morning just so that you can have time alone with God. And it may seem simple just to do that, but there's significance in that silly yet simple act where you feast on the Word of God to get from it what you need from Him. You say, Matt, that doesn't doesn't look like courage. Maybe not, but it sounds like faith. It sounds like faith. And this isn't the stuff I plan to preach today. Because this is what I started, this is what God taught me in the season that I'm in that maybe will resonate with some of you as well. And I know you're not supposed to interject yourself into Scripture and all that kind of stuff, but I'm thinking, like, what would I do if I'm in this place? 
for seven days. I'm walking around this wall. Can I just, now y'all, y'all are more spiritual and holy than me, so y'all wouldn't do this, but I'm thinking, this is stupid. We out here walking around this wall. They ain't, they ain't doing nothing. They sitting there, and they, they lifting weights, doing crunches and pull-ups, sharpening their knives, practicing jujitsu in the floor, like waiting for us to come and fight. And we out here doing nothing but walking around this crazy wall. This is insane. None of y'all would have been like that? Y'all the holy people? <laughs> why are we doing, why are we, why are we wasting so much energy doing all this stuff? Anybody ever been there? Like, God, why are you asking me to do this? Because at the end of the day, I've spent all this energy walking, and it looks like it wasn't worth it. Have you ever been there? God, I'm doing all these things that you asked me to do it, and I've been doing it for six days or six months or six years, but I don't feel like I see the results. I'm spending all this energy doing what I'm positive you're telling me I'm supposed to do, and I'm still staring at the wall. Come on, somebody, let me know. I'm not just talking to a wall today. Somebody let me know. <laughs> it's kind of like... I've been going to the gym since January 1st. I've gained four pounds. I don't understand, Jesus. Maybe somebody just needs to hear your walking is worth it. And it's working even when it doesn't feel like it. When you're walking in obedience to God and you're doing the things that you know that God's called you to do and you know that you've heard his voice and you know what you're doing is in alignment with what you're reading, even if it doesn't look like it's working, let me tell you, it is worth it. It's worth it. But this is what I know about me. And this is at the heart what I really want you to leave you with. What I know about me is the whole time I'm walking, I'm thinking about the wall. Like if that's me walking around that wall, the whole time I'm thinking, what are we going to do when this thing comes down? Am I ready? Like I'm, I'm glad we just walking today because I ain't ready for the wall to come down. Because if that wall came down today, I don't know if I can handle it. Anybody ever been there? Like, you, you, it's day two, but you looking toward day seven? Oh, come on. Like, it's, it's day three, but you're worrying about day seven? You're walking, but the wall is constantly on your mind. Anybody ever been there? Like, you, and, you, and, you, and the anxiety is beginning. You're like, oh, what about the wall? I'm walking, I'm walking, but oh gosh, that wall's coming. That wall's going to come down. Am I ready to fight? Am I ready to step in? If it, when, it, when it comes down, if it comes down, am I going to be able to take it? Am I going to be the first one to die? Um, oh, what's what's going what's to happen? Oh, and before you know it, you've exerted all the energy worrying about the wall. Can I just give it to you the way God gave it to me? Don't worry about the wall when all he's asked you to do today is walk. Don't worry about the wall because all I'm asking you to do today is walk. Anybody ever been that, in that position where, where you're so worried about when and then that it leads to worry now and all it does is drain you? 
I'm a when and then kind of person. Well, when then am I ready? When then will I have enough? When the wall comes down, then am I going to have the courage to fight? When the wall comes down, like when then, when then, like we live in that space, draining ourselves of faith. And I would submit to you that that fear most often wins out over faith when we look too far forward. That fear wins out over faith when we look too far forward. God's saying, why are you worried about the wall when all I've asked you to do today is walk? But I just want to have enough courage for the wall. I don't, God, I don't feel like I have enough courage for the wall. You're right. But all I asked you to do was walk. We get so consumed with what we won't have when and then that we drain all of the energy and courage worrying about that, that the thing that comes next is what ends up taking us down. And what if, what if you can't face tomorrow's fear with today's courage? What if you can't face tomorrow's fear? And, and that's what you worry about. My, that's, that's my fear. What if you don't have to? What if you were never intended to? What if God only wanted you to to give you enough courage for today? God, I'm worried that I won't have enough courage when. You know what he's saying? Why are you worrying about that right now? Why are you worrying about the wall when all I'm asking you to do today is walk? You can't face tomorrow's fear with today's courage, but... You can't face today's fear with yesterday's courage. What if the best way to live courageously is do it day by day by day by day? We say, well, God, I I would be courageous if I knew. (laughs) I would be courageous if I could see. You might be courageous, but you wouldn't be faithful because faith requires a level of risk and uncertainty. And if that, if certainty, if your courage is dependent on certainty of what's going to happen, then you're going to struggle. That God's trying to teach us something. But see, we live, we're so addicted to excess. Come on. We don't want just enough. We want more. We want enough. We want to feel like we have enough courage today to face everything that's going to come the next 15 years. And can I submit, that just ain't how it works. That's just not how, you're thinking, I'm so worried about what's going to happen when she turns 16 and starts driving a car. And God's like, you will drive yourself insane. You need to be worried about what she's looking at on the internet at 11. Went from preaching to meddling real quick, didn't I? <laughs> like we get, so, we look too far forward, and that's when fear begins to grow. And I just, I think there was a principle all throughout Scripture that's trying to get us to just not do that. Because the more I look at Scripture, the more I understand that God has not guaranteed excess, He has promised enough. 
Oh, but Matt, we serve a God who can do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. Yes, he can. But sometimes that abundant more comes from very little. Come on. We, we don't sing that God turns much into much. God turns little into much. That God has not guaranteed us excess. But we have this, this unhealthy dependent on abundance, especially as an American culture. Come on. That's why you'll go to Walmart and buy more than, you will throw away more groceries this year than you can even imagine. Because we just have this, this need for abundance. And am I going to have enough? And I'm going to have enough. And now I'm not poo-pooing preparation. Okay? And I'm not poo-pooing planning. I'm not saying that. I'm not, y- y'all hear me? What I'm saying is this unhealthy dependence and security that we find in it. If you need that for security, if you need excess for courage, you're in trouble. This is a principle that God had tried to teach the nation of Israel years before. Let's go back in time in their story. Go to Exodus chapter 16. Here they are in need of food, and God makes a promise. Look at Exodus 16, start with verse 4. It says, then the Lord said, I will rain down bread from heaven. Pretty sure it was the outback bread. That's what I picture in my mind because it's the best. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Look, but the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prep what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days in order for provision for the Sabbath. Verse 17. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. They say, God says, look, I will, I will rain it down, but just take enough for today. Just enough for today. Just enough to get you through today. And I just wonder if, if sometimes the reason why we get so overwhelmed is because we, we are We're not trusting God for today, and we're begging him to fix tomorrow. And God said, if you would just lean in today, if you would just obey me today, if you would just follow my design and instructions for today, tomorrow would be a lot better for you. But you get so focused on tomorrow that you fail to be obedient today. Do you notice what they said? They they started gathering up all this stuff. There were some of them that just didn't, why would you do that? Why would, you knew God's instruction. Just take enough for today. Why would you gather more? You would only do that if you didn't trust him. That doubt that we talked about last week. See, when we have doubt, we lack discipline. When we doubt, we don't have the discipline to say, I'm I'm, going to take just enough for today. So I doubt, I doubt, I trust God, so I'm going to take a little bit more and I'm going to lack the discipline to stay true to what he knows and desires for me today. 
And maybe that's part of our problem. We, we look too far forward and we get overwhelmed by it all. Man, as I look at this situation that God has brought to us at High Point and I think about the, all the things that we need to do to come alongside this church to nurse it back to health and all the things that need to be fixed and settled and, and changed, it's overwhelming when you try to look at it all. And I had, I had a mentor tell me one time, you know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I know, I know, you know how you chop down the biggest oak tree in the world? One swing at a time. You know how you face that thing in your life that's haunting you, that's scaring you, that's challenging you, that's overwhelming you? One day at a time. You know how I know this is most important? Jesus taught it. Go to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to leave you with this and we're done. Matthew chapter 6. When the disciple says, Jesus, teach us to pray. Have you ever noticed one of the most overlooked lines in his prayer? Jesus says, when you pray, pray, give us today our daily bread. Do you pray like that? Give us today our daily bread. No, God, give me enough to help me be comfortable for the next 16 years. Give me, give me all the answers to figure out all the questions that are ever going to come my entire life. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. Then look at Matthew 6, 34. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In this series, my hope isn't to build all the courage you need for what's next. My hope is that you build all the courage you need for right now. That God has promised to give you enough for now. Enough for right now. Enough to get you through this day and all the crazy that it's gonna bring. And then tomorrow, God's gonna give you enough to go through Monday. And then on, stop looking at the wall. When all God has asked of you today is to walk. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me. God, I speak over the people in this room that are overwhelmed, that are consumed with all the what ifs and could be's and what thens and all the questions and all the things that are way down the road. And God, they're looking too far forward. They're looking so far forward that they're allowing themselves to see the missing pieces of their courage. God, they don't have enough courage yet to face what's coming then. But they don't have to. We don't have to have the courage to face. Right now, we don't have to have that courage that's needed then. We need the courage to face now. Not what's next, but what's right now. And God, you've promised to give it. And so God, we pray, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily courage. Give us today what we need for today. And we will let tomorrow worry about itself. And so Father, I pray that right now for all those people that are getting overwhelmed, that you would begin to speak hope and life to bring into their vision the right amount of focus necessary to not see all the things that could be and to get consumed with all the things that might be but God, to lean into the presence of your spirit 
in this moment to have enough for now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage by downloading the Vintage Church app, where you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You'll also have access to our deeper podcast, which is a conversational deep dive into the message from the weekend. We hope you join us again soon.